Turn your Bibles with us, if you will, to 1 Corinthians. As most of you know, we've been in the studying the 13 books, the epistles of the Apostle Paul, which means letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. We look first of all, and we're going chronologically, <clears throat> we look first of all at the book of 1 Thessalonians, and then 2 Thessalonians, and then the book of Galatians. And today we'd like to begin in 1 Corinthians. I know I'm moving, there's a lot in these epistles, so much. I could spend a whole year in one book. That's what I did last year, started in Mark, and I think I got about halfway through Mark in the whole year of 2015. But uh, I thought I'd go a little bit faster this year and try my best to cover all 13 letters that he wrote. I want to read one verse of scripture here in the first chapter, then I'll read other verses as we go along. But it's the 18th verse of the first chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. For the message or the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and speak these truths to our hearts in Christ's name. If you need an outline of the message, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have one. I'd like for you to bring a pencil, pen, and write some things down as we go along, little notes on the outline, if you will. Here the apostle Paul says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. If you have the King James, he says, or that translation says, who perish. But to us who are being saved, it says to us who are saved. And here the New King James, in fact, the original speaks of perishing and being saved, something that's ongoing, ongoing. Going So he divides really the whole world up into two classes of people, those that are perishing and those that are saved. There is a uh, continental divide here in the United States. Some of you might probably, probably know where it's at. Uh, it runs at the top of the Rocky Mountains, in the, uh, from Canada all the way through Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, down into Mexico. The continental divide is where when it rains, if a drop of rain falls on one side, it goes to the Pacific Ocean. If it falls on the other side, it goes to the Atlantic Ocean. So that continental divide, the water flows east or either west. And it flows and reaches a distance of thousands of miles apart. And that's the way it is with believers. It's just that distant we flow and unbelievers, believers and unbelievers. Those that are saved and those that are, as Paul says, that are perishing. Just a great continental, a great, great divide. But I, I was interested in the fact that Paul he dealt with many problems that were, was in the church at Corinth. And uh, 
I'll look later on maybe in this study at the city of Corinth, which is very, very interesting. But if you notice the introduction, the Christians in Corinth were struggling with their environment and what an environment they endured and what an environment they were in being in this metropolis, being in this great city. They were surrounded by corruption and every conceivable sin. They felt the pressure to adapt. I think if we look at this today, we can, we can understand how they felt because here in America, even in, quote, Christian America, we feel the pressure to adapt. They knew they were free in Christ, but what did this freedom mean to them? How should they view idols? How should they view sexuality? What should they do about marriage, women in the church, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Paul wrote this letter to address their problems, heal their divisions, and answer their questions. Notice, if you will, first of all, the Christian conduct. These, these were issues of the church at Corinth that each and every person there faced. And this was the reason Paul received information about the conditions in the church. There was church splits and cliques. We have that today. Sexual immorality in the church, spiritual gifts, their use and abuse. Forgiveness. He dealt with marriage, divorce, singleness, false doctrines, and he taught them how to live for Jesus in a very, very corrupt world. And I believe this letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth is just as relevant today as it was then because we deal with the very same problems. And I don't know to a greater extent, but even in, as I said, Christian America, we deal with these problems. But he dealt with two major problems here in this first chapter. And I thought it interesting that he, in all of the concerns that he had with the church at Corinth and the membership there, I thought it interesting of the two things that he dealt with. Very interesting. First of all, the division in the church. And second of all, the wisdom of man. The division in the church. Clicks in the church. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and let's read some here, if we will. Sectarianism and sin. He, he, he didn't just say this was uh, bad. He just didn't say this was a, uh, a negative thing. He said it was sin. Notice, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind into the same judgment. For it has been declared to me. Now, this wasn't just hearsay. Close came to Paul and he told him what was going on. And he says, Paul said, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of close household, that there are contentions among you. Now, I say this, that each of you, now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of, of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. There was four sections, four divisions that they had there. 
And Paul here, he speaks of baptism. Notice what he says. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except uh, Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of uh, Senephus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptize any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross. Now notice how he puts the cross right here in the center of this division in knowing how to deal with the separation and the problems that were going on, lest the Christ, the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And so we find that there was a great division in the church. And Paul baptized and Cephas, Peter, which was Peter, baptized, Apollos baptized, and they all gathered around the person that they were baptized with. I remember that one of the highlights of Sister Carol and I's trip to Israel was when we had a great baptism in uh, the River of Jordan. Now, we were traveling with 300 people, and... uh, It was our privilege, the minister's privilege, that they baptized individuals in the River Jordan. Well, as I waded out into the water and the line formed, I noticed, and I didn't realize this, but Sister Carol and some of them got to notice that, that uh, many of them wanted to come and have me to baptize them. And uh, I don't know why, but they all, most of them or many of them, wanted me to do the one that was baptizing them. And that was what was happening here. Oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of of Apollos. I'm of Peter. And uh, they were separated and divided. They were deeply divided. Now, I want us to think of some things that separate us today. Separates the church. Separates the body of believers. Leaders separate us. You know, I like this pastor, I like this evangelist, I like this TV minister, and we all gather ourselves behind the preacher or the leader that we seem to think is right, and uh, that has a tendency, if we're not careful, to separate and divide us. There are many that believe in the King James Version Bible only, and if you preach out of any other version, then that certainly divides us, and they will have, my wife and I were some Sundays ago, Sunday nights ago, was in the church. That's all they had in their uh, church was the King James Version, and that's all that they were allowed to preach from and to study from was the King James Version. Pastor, you have a, a problem with the King James Version? No. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites. But there are other translations that's just as true to the gospel or to the original as, as the King James But that divides us. We allow what kind of Bible we have to divide us. Music divides us. Some like this style. Some like that style. Some like fast. Some like the old hymns. Some like the courses. The music that we sing and that we listen to a lot of times divides us. Dress. The dress code. How we should and shouldn't dress. A certain person comes into church and they're dressed different than what we think they should dress, then boy, do we have a problem with that. It separates us and divides us. 
the gifts. Some believe in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit and some don't believe in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And then we find that uh, race divides us. And the enemy is trying to drive a wedge between groups today, whether it's Republicans or Democrats or Carolina fans or Duke fans. You say, well, that, that, that won't divide me. Some people allow it to, to, to really divide them. You see, the devil, don't, he don't care what divides us. He just wants us to get our attention and our focus off, off the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ. Last Tuesday, we had 25 ministers during ministers in prayer. Now, if you'd sat us all down or sit us all down and ask us what we believe and how we believe and, and all the styles and the methods that we use in order to be able to have church, it would divide us because there's some there on Tuesday that don't believe in speaking in tongues. Some there believe in speaking in tongues. But there is one thing that brings us all together on Tuesday and it should bring all believers together and that is the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, that can bring us together. So let's, don't, let's not allow these things to divide us. Can you believe the political landscape today? It's enough to pull, make you pull your hair. I mean, it's just amazing what's going on. Some says I like Trump. Some says I like Hillary. Some say I like Bernie. Some say I like this one, that one, the other. Now see, your mind, I got to talking about this. Now your mind's already going who you like and who you don't like. I mean, if I talk much about politics, you probably get a little angry. Because we, if we're not careful... We let the enemy slip things in to cause division within the church. And it should not be, amen? Their eyes were on men and certainly not on Christ. Their eyes were on preachers. They had preacher preacheritis. We, we, we need to keep our eyes, as I said, on Jesus Christ. Focused. Focus, And anything the enemy can do, whether it's in the service on Sunday morning or whether it's during the week at the house or on our job or riding down the highway, the devil will try to cause us not to focus on Jesus Christ. You know the story how Peter walked on the water. I mean, he literally walked on water. And, uh, and the problem was that he got his eyes off of Jesus. Uh, he was exercising faith. Then he began to operate in fear. He didn't focus on Christ. So our focus on Christ determines whether we operate in fear or whether we operate in faith. And the important thing is that we focus on him. The enemy will cause people even in the same church, not just, you know, denominations, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, 
Pentecostals, Charismatics, whatever the enemy can do. But the enemy will cause us to focus on non-essentials, things that don't matter. Somebody says, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, you go ahead and when I'm gone, you can do whatever. But that's a non-essential as far as our relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. That's fine. We can get along fine. You're just missing something. You're missing something great. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's real. But that's not to split hairs over and, and, and get out of sorts with. Every one of us should focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. And if we do, it will cause us to love and appreciate each other and work together as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. That's the important thing. And that's what we do it on Tuesday morning. On 9th Street, we come. And it is powerful what happens when the ministers of this city, 40 ministers of this city come together and we pray together and believe God together and we cry together and we shout together. It's wonderful. But Paul is dealing with conflicts in the church. And then he's dealing with the confusion about wisdom. Now let's read some more, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 for the message or the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise Isaiah spoke of that very thing in his writings and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent Where is the wise? Where is the scribe, the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The wisdom of this world? Notice what he says. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. If you want to read anything about that, turn to Romans chapter 1. During your Bible study this week and read that first chapter of Romans, you'll find out what man was thinking and his, quote, wisdom. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message or the preaching to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We are living in supposedly one of the most educated time ever. And people are supposed to be wise. And I look at people today that's that's supposed to know. And, 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 And I'm surprised at how much of a moron they are. And you say you shouldn't call them moron. If you read the Greek here, you'll find out that's what Paul did. He called them morons. They're dumb. You say, what about 
What about the wisdom of God? God's wisdom is grounded in theism, creationism. It's grounded in the scripture. God's wisdom is grounded in Christianity. God's wisdom is grounded in glorifying God. Man's wisdom, notice this, regards the words of the cross foolishness. Oh boy, it's, it's, it, 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 it is really interesting to see what, what man's wisdom is. Notice what I've got here. Man's wisdom is grounded in evolution. Man's wisdom is grounded in humanism, psychology, selfishness, and atheism. You see the difference? I'm not just talking about getting a, uh, graduating from Jordan High School or Northern or Southern. I'm not just talking about getting educated at Duke or at Central. I'm not talking about that kind of knowledge. We need that kind of education. But I'm talking about wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And the problem that the world has is they don't believe in creationism. They don't believe in that the world was created. They believe it evolved from some scum. Scum. One man said, where did the scum come from? You know? They believe in all of this psychology, but it leads to selfishness and it leads to uh, carnality and it leads to ruin the difference between man's wisdom and God's wisdom and it is folly to trust in man's wisdom. Amen? And yet when you look at the wisdom of God, it is founded and rooted in things that are stable and things that are truthful. Theism, creationism, scripture, Christianity, and glorifying God. You know why man will not accept the wisdom of God? Because the wisdom of God comes from Jesus Christ. That, that's wisdom. And the wisdom of God comes in the manifestation of the cross of Calvary. And what the cross does, it deals with pride. And man reeks with pride. And, and, and God knows how to deal with that pride. Because when you look at the cross, when you look at, at the sacrifice that was made, when you look at how Jesus Christ dealt with wrath and judgment through the cross of Calvary, it humbles you when you really see the suffering and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did. If you really look at it as we should, it humbles us and it rids us of the pride that the enemy tries to instill in us. So man, rather than saying, hey, that stuff is foolish. I don't want to hear anything about the cross. I don't like the cross. I... Uh, I ran across some articles concerning the cross. China is removing all the cross. In one city, they removed 400 crosses on top of the churches. And you ought, to, you ought to Google it and look at it. They have major cranes. Now, these are probably hundreds of thousands of dollars that took to put those crosses on top of those churches. And they have huge 
mounted cranes, removing those metal and steel crosses. For the wood crosses, they are burning them. They just set fire to the cross itself. Hundreds and hundreds of crosses are being destroyed. The world's first lesbian bishop calls for the church to remove the crosses and to install Muslim prayer space. Get the crosses out of the churches. Mega church, I'm not against mega churches. After mega churches are removing the crosses from their church, one church was built, renovated for $90 million. And the pastor of that church claims he does not want a cross in the building because he says it was better to remove any and all stumbling blocks from the building so that the unsaved would be more comfortable coming to the services. The world does not like the cross. For God's sake, let the church love the cross and honor the cross and respect the cross. Because everything comes from the cross. The sacrament, you say, what about the cross? That's where Jesus died. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary because that's where Jesus Christ died, was on the cross. A group of 50 Muslims gathered outside the church. I don't know particularly where this was at, to protest against the cross displayed on the building, claiming that it challenges Islam. The group demanded the church take down the cross, and that cross was removed at around 2 p.m. that day. You see, the world hates the cross because the cross deals with disunity. The cross deals with people that are not saved. The message of the cross is a message of triumph. The message of the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, signal the defeat of Satan. You want to deal with the devil? Deal with him through the cross. Deal with him through the blood and he has to take off and he has to flee. If the devil is harassing you and just plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Sing a song about the blood at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burdens of my heart rolled away. You see, the death of Jesus Christ signaled the defeat of Satan. The death of Jesus Christ signaled the defeat of sin. Sin has no authority over the believer. Sin can't bring the believer under condemnation. Sin can't carry us a believer to hell. Why? Because sin was defeated at Calvary. Woo! Hallelujah! Not only did the death of Jesus Christ signal the defeat of Satan, not only did the death of Jesus Christ signal the, de- the, uh, the defeat of sin, but his death signaled the defeat of separation. The person or persons that comes to Jesus Christ, they are no longer separated from him. Alienated. But what happened? Jesus opened those arms and he drew us to him. And when the devil tries to make you feel separated and isolated from God, Understand that the cross reaches out. That blood reaches out and it defeats sin. That blood reaches out and it defeats Satan. That blood reaches out and it defeats separation. And we're brought nigh and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's the reason man don't like the cross. He hates the cross. But Paul, and I love this story, he takes the cross to that separated, divided church. And he says, come, let's, let's, let's stand around the cross because the ground is level at the cross. And for those that, that were depending on man's wisdom, can you imagine this country, $19 trillion in debt, getting straightened out by man's wisdom? It's pitiful. If what we're seeing today for people running for office, if what we're seeing is man's answer to problems, we're, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. We have no leadership. Leaders are something of the past. Oh, Brother Don, I can tell you. Well, tell me one. Tell me one. Tell, listen, I'm not saying they all are. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying when it comes to political leaders, when it comes to religious leaders, first woman bishop, the first thing she does is stand up and demands that the crosses be removed from the churches. When we're ordaining homosexuals and lesbians and they're standing up preaching the word of God. The political landscape is, is, is pitiful. So I don't like Trump. Well, he scares me to death. I don't like Hillary. She scares me to death. I don't like Bernie. He scares me to death. I don't like Rubio. There are some things I, it just concerns me. I don't like Cruz. There are some things that concern me. I'll tell you who I love is Jesus. I wish they'd run him for office. God give us, God, God give us a David. God give us an Abraham Lincoln. God give us a George Washington. God give us a man or a woman, men or women that knows what it is to tap into the very wisdom of God. Give us some leaders. Give us some pastors that will preach the word. And I know there are pastors, and I know there are ministers that preach the word. Say, boy, I got some good TV preachers. Oh, yeah. There are some. What was it David Jeremiah said this morning? He said that we tried so hard to be relevant that the church has become irrelevant. We think we're relevant by removing the cross and saying, come on, oh, get you, you know, start by Starbucks as you come in. I'm not against Starbucks being in the foyer, but our focus better not be on a cup of coffee. Give us some people 
that knows what it is to pray and seek the face of God and preach the gospel, preach the word of God, live the gospel. Jamie had us to meet at Bojangles. Oh, God, Bojangles. I didn't eat anything. I had to crucify the flesh. <laughs> but there was a lot of guys there, yes. We had to keep making room and making room and making room. And he had a one sheet of paper that he taught from. The word of God. On how to be men. On how to be trustworthy. That's what we need. We need some men that will teach the word of God. Whether it's at Bojangles or behind the pulpit stand. No matter where it's from. We need to hear God's word. How do you deal with division? How do you stop division in the church? Separatism in the church? Not only in the church, but in the city? Through the cross. How do you learn about things and be wise? Through the cross. God, there's so many wise men and women. And you know why? Because they dare to put their faith and their confidence and their trust in Jesus Christ. I challenge you today. Say this with me if you will. The blood of Jesus Christ has brought us together today. Look at your neighbor and say it with me. The blood of Jesus Christ has brought us together today. Brother Denny, can you come and sing for me at the cross? At the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. While they're preparing, let us bow our heads and let us pray. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the Old Testament looked forward to the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. The New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles, the Epistles of Peter and John and James and others look back to that one time when that sacrifice was made on the cross. And Lord, help us today, every person here this morning, to realize that they must, first of all, go through the cross before they get to heaven. They must accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Receive him. Open their hearts. Receive him as their personal Savior, and not only as their Savior, but as their Lord. God, we pray for that today. Challenge our hearts today to stay close to the cross. And the Lord, the closer we get to the cross, the smaller the world gets to us. The closer we get to the cross, the less there is of selfishness and pride in our lives and in our hearts. The closer we get to the cross, the more I love my brothers and my sisters.
The closer we get to the cross, the more I'll even love my enemies. And Lord, as we draw near to the cross, we draw near to wisdom, understanding, peace, contentment. Oh God, help us to realize that we need to be near the cross. And it was at that cross where I first saw the light. I thank you for the cross today.